Stories 13 and 14 of St. Andrew's Ghost Stories by William Thomas Linskill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story 13 Concerning More Appearances of the White Lady i had been invited and was sitting at tea with a very dear old lady friend of mine not long ago it may seem strange but tea is i consider an extra and an unnecessary meal it does not appeal to me in the least and only spoils one's dinner and digestion the reason i went to tea was because in her note to me the lady mentioned that she had read my book of ghost stories and that she was interested in ghosts in general and st andrew's ghosts in particular and that she knew lots of such stories in the days of her girlhood in st andrew's now about eighty-five years ago that is why i went to eat cakes with sugar hot buttered toast and drink tea as black as senna or a black draught she had also informed me in the note that she could tell me a lot about the haunted tower and the beautiful white lady it took some time to get her to that point she would talk about archbishop sharp and his haunted house in the pens road of the ghost seen by archbishop ross of my friend the veiled nun of the cathedral and mr john knox of hungus king of the picts of constantine thomas plater and various others she told me a long tale of the Raynham ghost in Norfolk, known as the Brown Lady of Raynham, whom her father and Captain Marriott both saw, and so on. At last we got near the subject I wished information on. In my young days, she said, St. Andrew's was quite a wee bit place, with grass-grown streets, red-tiled houses, outside stairs, queer narrow winds, not over-clean, only a few lights at night, here and there an old ballad or oil lamp hanging at street corners everyone believed in sharp's phantom coach in those good old days did you ever see it i queried no she said but i have heard it rumble past and i know those who have seen it and many other things too but tell me about the white lady please i said i will few people in those days cared to pass that haunted tower after nightfall if they did they ran past it and also the castle those new-fangled incandescent gas lamps have spoiled it all now the white lady was one of the maries one of the maids of honour to poor martyred mary of scotland they said then she was madly in love with the french poet and minstrel Castellar, and he was hopelessly in love like many others with marie's lovely mistress the queen of scots was she supposed to be the girl seen in the built-up haunted tower i asked that i really can't say she said there was a story often told in the old days that a beautiful embalmed girl in white lay in that tower and it was there and near the castle that she used to appear to the people you know poor castellar the handsome minstrel said and did some stupid things and was beheaded at the castle and was probably buried near there get me from that shelf white melville's novel the queen's marie's i did as she bade me well you will see there that the night before castellar was to be beheaded kind queen mary sent one of her maries the one who loved castellar at her own special request to the castle with her ring to offer him a pardon if he left this country forever this marie did see castellar showed him the queen's ring and pleaded with him to comply 
but he refused he preferred death to banishment from his beloved queen's court and the fair messenger left him obstinate in his dungeon this faithful marie paced up and down all that night before the castle then at dawn came the sound of a gun or culverin a wreath of smoke floated out to sea and castellar was gone white melville says she did not start she did not shriek nor faint nor quiver but she threw her hood back and looked wildly upward gasping for air then as the rising sun shone on her bare head marie's raven hair was all streaked and patched with grey when marie stuart fled to england this faithful marie now no more needed became a nun in st andrews look at page three seventy one of white melville's book she said so i read it was an early harvest that year in scotland but ere the barley was white marie had done with nuns and nunneries vows and ceremonies withered hopes and mortal sorrows and had gone to that place where the weary heart can alone find the rest it had so longed for at last the pathetic and the comic often go together just at this interesting point a cat sprang suddenly up and upset a cup of tea in the lap of my genial hostess this created a diversion old ladies are apt to wander which is annoying she got clean away from her subject for a bit she asked me if i knew captain robert marshall who wrote plays and the haunted mayor i said i knew bob well and that he was an old madras college boy she then wanted to know if i knew how to pronounce the name of mr travis's american putter and if mr lowe or i had ever tried it she also wanted to know if i knew anything of the new patent clock worked on gramophone principles which shouted the hours instead of striking them having answered all these queries to her satisfaction and taken another cup of senna i mean tea i got her back to the white lady oh yes my dear she said i saw her i and some friends a lot of us had been out at kinkle bray's one afternoon and stayed there long past the time allowed us it was almost dark and we scuttled up the bray from the harbour rather frightened just near the turret light we saw the lady gliding along the top of the old abbey wall she was robed in a grey-white dress with a veil over her head she had raven-black hair and a string of beads hanging from her waist we all huddled together with our eyes and mouths wide open and watched the figure it's a girl sleepwalking i murmured it's a bride answered another oh she'll fall said a little boy grasping my arm but she did not she went inside the parapet wall at the haunted tower and vanished completely it's a ghost it's the white lady we all shrieked and ran off trembling home my sister also saw her on one of the turrets in the abbey wall where she was seen by several people some months later as i was doing my hair before my looking-glass the same face looked over my shoulder and i fainted i have always felt an eerie feeling about a looking-glass ever since even now old woman as i am her lovely face is one never never to be forgotten having once seen it but your new-fashioned lamps have altered everything and what do you think about it now i asked her i have told you all i know the lady used to be seen oftenest between the castle and that old turret 
Perhaps she came to look at the last resting place of her much-loved and wayward minstrel, Castellar. Maybe she came to revisit the favorite haunts of her beloved girl queen, truly called the Queen of the Roses. But to my dying day I shall never forget that face, that lovely, pathetic face I saw years ago, and which may still be seen by some. What? Must you really go now? Won't you have another cup of tea? Oh, very well. Good-bye. As I wended my way clubwards, I could not but think of the strange tale I had just heard, and of Castellar's sad end, and I could not help wondering if I should ever be favored with a sight of this beautiful white lady. End of Story 13 Story 14 A Spiritualistic Seance the McWhiskers, whom I met at Oban, were very jolly old people. Papa McWhisker had made a big fortune tea-planting in Ceylon, and had bought and added to Dramdotty College in the far, far north. They were perfectly full of ghosts and spiritualism, and at Dramdotty they seemed to have a ghost for every day in the week. On Monday there was the Spotted Nun, on Tuesday the Floating Infant, on Wednesday the Headless Dwarf, on thursday the vanishing nigger on friday the burnt lady and on saturday the human balloon and on sunday the whole lot attended on them and i dare say went to the kirk with them mcwhisker himself was a jovial soul fond of his toddy and very much resembled the dougal creature in rob roy my friend john clyde should have seen him he had a furious red head of hair and beard of the same color, and the street boys used to call after him the song, The folks all call me Carroty, what, 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 oh, Carroty, etc. Mrs. McWhisker was a stout lady with eyes like small tomatoes and a gimlet nose. They had a son, a boy of ten, called Fernando McWhisper, because he was born in Spain. When they came to St. Andrews, they had purchased a number of my ghost books, these ghosts at present chiefly haunt the citizen warehouse bookseller's shops and the railway bookstall that is the reason perhaps that the mcwhiskers invited me to a spiritualistic seance at their house in south street they generally came to st andrews for the winter partly to get away from the cold of their northern home and partly because they thought the history and atmosphere of st andrews lent itself to an all-pervading presence of ghosts spooks and spirits I had only been to two such shows before, one at Helsensburg and one at Cambridge, and was, and still am, very doubtful of the genuineness of spiritualism. On the day appointed I went to the McWhiskers' house in South Street, and was shown in by a Highlander in a McWhisker tartan. It was early in the afternoon, but I found the shutters in the large room all shut, and a few dim lights only were burning." On a sideboard in the corner stood plenty of refreshments and everything else to comfort the inner man. In the center of the room there was a round table covered with a McWhisker tartan tablecloth, which touched the floor all round. This in itself was suspicious to my mind. I was introduced to the chief medium, one Mr. Peter Fancourt, who looked as if he had been buried and dug up again. He was in tight, sleek, black clothes, and resembled in every way Uriah Heep and David Copperfield. The other medium was a Mrs. Flytrap Corncockle. 
they were supposed not to know each other but i am as certain that they were accomplices as that the bell rock is near st andrew's bay a number of chairs encircled the table we had all to seat ourselves on these chairs with our thumbs and little fingers touching round the edge of the table the first thing that happened was a kind of squish and then a huge bouquet of flowers descended on the table from somewhere it was a clever trick but the flowers were of the commonest sort and what i had seen in all the greengrocers shops that morning the lights were now turned very low and a spirit arm and hand appeared floating about which shone a good deal it hovered about from the ceiling to above our heads and when i got a chance i jumped on a chair and seized it with both hands it seemed to shrink up and was torn through my hands very forcibly and in such a material manner that i was forced to let go i don't know where the hand and arm went to but it was simply a juggling trick after this mr heep i beg his pardon mr fancourt said that there was an unbeliever present and as i was that unbeliever i was relegated to an armchair by the fireplace with one of mcwhisker's muckle cigars from that point of vantage i watched the whole affair and they assured me they would tell me all that was going on the next very curious thing was that they suddenly all took their hands off the table and their eyes slowly followed something ceiling words it was funny to see them all lying back staring up at the roof then very slowly their heads and eyes resumed their normal position did you see that said the mcwhisker triumphantly i saw nothing whatever i remarked what did you not see the table float up to the ceiling it remained there quite half a second and then came down as lightly as a feather i was watching the table the whole time i said and it never moved an inch from its place oh you are an unbeliever said mrs mcwhisker sadly but later on when it is darker you will see mr fancourt float out of one of the windows and come in at the other i fervently hoped if he did anything of the kind he would come a cropper on the pavement below and break some of his ribs the table then started to dance about and move along but this i am certain was simply engineered by those two mediums after some tomfoolery of this kind they all agreed that ouija should be brought out a large oblong yellow board was then produced and laid on the table on it were the letters of the alphabet and a number of figures also the sun moon and stars and some other fantastic symbols on this board was placed a small tablet with a round body and round head it had three hind legs and a front which was the pointer these legs had little red velvet boots on the two mediums then placed their hands on each side of this curious table which immediately began to run about to the letters and figures spelling out things and fixing dates in answer to questions asked it was not the least like a planchette which is on wheels the first thing they informed me it had said was that a spirit called clarissa was present and for many years she had lain a-dying in that room she maintained that she was some distant relation of the white lady of the haunted tower it then rushed into poetry its first effort was the legend of purple james and his girl a comic thing which reminded me of the bab ballads they afterwards gave me a copy of this poem which i still possess 
next the spirit gave us a scotch poem about a haggis and then one called edward and the hard-boiled egg it then devoted its attention to me whom it characterized as the unbeliever it stated that if the antiquarian society would dig a pit four feet square by six feet deep between the two dungeons in the kitchen tower of the castle and if the rock were cut through a cave would be found full of casks of good red wine on no condition whatever would i on such evidence recommend the society to strike a pick in there the next spirit that turned up was one jasper codlever he alluded to me as the cambridge man in the chair with a cigar he said that if excavations were made between the two last trees in law park wood a stone cist would be found full of pictish ornaments again he told us that within a cave on the cliffs there was a chalice of great value placed there by isabella the nun who still guarded it by night and day and was very dangerous to approach this spirit then went away and his place was taken by a monk named rudolph who informed us that the entrance to the crypt or sub-chapel was between two of the pillars in the priory as there are a lot of pillars there it is impossible to know which he meant he said this entrance was near roger's tomb who roger may be i know not he then told us about this crypt he said there was something so horrible in it that it turned him sick curiously enough some thought-reading people told us the same story in the town hall some years ago but they said the underground chapel was at the east end of the cathedral the monk then went on to tell us of this place in the priory he said it had purebeck marble pillars a well of clear water and three small costly altars and a number of books of the vincentian canons there was a short interval now and the lights were turned up i was anxious to get away but they implored me to stay and see the cabinet and the spirits therein i told them in my most dramatic fashion that i was late already and i had a meeting on mcwhisker then begged me if i would not stay to see the spirits to taste some and he mixed me an excellent whisky and soda which he called a blegori i then made my adieu and was very glad to get once more into the street and also into a world of sense the mcwhiskers informed me some days afterwards that they were very sorry at my leaving as after i had gone fancourt had floated out of the window and numerous wonderful spirits had appeared in the cabinet i am glad i went when i did as i should certainly have taken a poker to that cabinet End of story 14